Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 2nd. Whatever you seek to accomplish, approach it with enthusiasm. Once you've finished it, however, release it into the infinite. If you keep dwelling on past accomplishments, you won't be able to concentrate freely on new ones. I myself find it difficult sometimes to remember the names of the songs I have written, though I love them all. They're done now and belong in the past. I have new, fresh images to carve, paint, or otherwise convey. It's a very interesting um, perspective on success. You know, we it it has it has to do with what actually constitutes success, and and what it is that we're trying to accomplish. You know, whatever you seek to accomplish, um, approach it with enthusiasm. We should really be committed and want to do whatever it is that we're assigned to do, whether it's an assignment that's given to us or a creative project that just comes bubbling out of our own point of origin, we should always do everything with enthusiasm because it simply doesn't serve us and there's no joy in life not to do it with enthusiasm. One of the salient characteristics of people of genius, people, as Swami has, Kriyananda has pointed out, is high energy. They, people who do things well always do things with high energy. People who create happiness around them always do it by doing things with high energy. And part of what uh, you know just makes everything enjoyable is simply you you dive into it with enthusiasm. I remember uh, a situation at Ananda Village where I some kind of a, a water pipe must have broken or something like that, which would happen a lot because we were we were building our whole community in the in the seventies literally from bare ground, so everything had to be created. And there's one man whose name I've mentioned in these before, his name was Ananta, and he worked on the farm. But he was also just, he, he, he just knew how to do things. He knew how to build, he knew how to do plumbing, he just knew how to do things. And I remember that there was some problem with the water, and as a consequence of the water, they'd had to dig around to find the pipe, <clears throat> and it was a mess because the water had leaked and we had this red clay soil and there was just this big soggy sort of hole in the ground and <clears throat> and people were trying to fix it, but they were all trying to fix it without getting into the hole. You know, it was just like, I'm going to fix this, but I'm not going to get my hands or my clothes dirty. Ananta walked in, he just stepped into the hole. There was just absolutely no other way to do it. And he stepped into the hole with enthusiasm. I'm committed to fixing the broken pipe in the middle of the big clay pit, and there's just simply no way to do it but with enthusiasm. And then, of course, he was able to fix it pretty quickly. I remember another time, let me think what it was. In the part of Ananda that I lived in, we had a spring that was a, a flowing spring, and it was our major water source. We filled a, a, we filled a tank from the spring, and then we had various spigots, something like that, the way it worked. Now, somebody had the idea that in order to keep the, the spring clear and working best, we should fill it with gravel. Fill, for some reason, we were supposed to lay around all this gravel, so we had a whole truckload of gravel delivered. This was a project done by girls, by women, young women, leaving one of them. 
And so we moved this enormous amount of gravel into the spring, the spring box, the hole sort of, which of course turned out to be a terrible idea. And for some reason, I don't know why, who thought it was a good idea, but then we had to all get back into the spring. We had to move all the gravel out again, which was, none of this was easy. And I just, I remember when we realized after having put all the gravel in that we were now gonna have to take all the gravel out. And I just remember that question. Either we do this grudgingly or we do this enthusiastically. And if we do it enthusiastically, we'll have a really good time. We'll have a really good story. If we do it grudgingly, we'll be absolutely miserable. I remember, this is actually one of my really early childhood memories. I, 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 was, I must have been very small and I had this bookshelf, which in my mind was about 17 feet long and about eight feet tall. I suspect it was a, a double bookshelf. It's probably smaller than the little one that's behind me, but I remember it as huge. It couldn't have been that big because it had my toys in it, and I didn't have that many toys. But for some reason, it occurred to me that I wanted to tidy up my toy shelf. And my way of starting was to take everything that was on the toy shelf and dump it into the middle of the floor, at which point I lost interest in the project and went off to do something else. And somehow or another, my mother came into my room and saw the mess I'd made. And being a very good mother, she brought me back and explained to me that since I had removed all the toys, now I got to put them all back on the shelf. And for reasons unknown, I decided that this was an incredible imposition on my happiness and on my free will. And I remember sitting there, sort of by this heap of toys, and, and you know how children are when they really want you to feel sorry for them. They're not really crying, but they won't. They keep pretending. I remember going, <laughs> and then I'd lift up one little toy like that as if it were so heavy, and then I'd drop it, you know, under the shelf, and then I'd whimper more before I'd pick up another toy. And I also remember in the midst of doing it, Another part of me said, oh, just get over it and put the toys on the shelf. You know, it's like, what is this? Just do it. Be enthusiastic. What's the problem? But I always remembered that because ever since, really literally in my life, when I find myself whimpering and acting as if it's so hard, I know that's the problem. It's not the project. The doing of it will be finished if I just do it. So... We always have to go into things like that. But what Swami's also adding here is the secret of ever new creativity. Because once something has been accomplished, if we allow ourselves to become defined by what we've already done, it, 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 it inhibits us in countless ways. One is, it makes it hard to have new ideas. If we're just totally locked into the ideas that we've had in our minds, it's like, what we're doing now becomes defined by what we did before, which is why you see some artists and even some writers who they get a formula that works and then they just keep repeating it. And generally speaking, the first one was better than the second one and the third one is, you know, not as good as the second because there's not, there's not a fresh flow of energy. It's just now I have something I can do or all the characters have the same big eyes or whatever it might be. I mean, people have to make a living and it's, if you've got something that people will buy, you can keep it up. But if you really want to be fresh in yourself, you have to close the door on the past. Because otherwise, nothing, as I say, your, your mind will measure the present by the past. And the superconscious is ever new. The Satchitanandam is ever conscious, ever existing, ever conscious, 
ever new bliss. And even if the new bears some resemblance to the old, it will still be new if it's created in the moment. Also, what happens to us is, my last book was popular, I wonder if my readers will like this one. And so what, what also creeps in is we, we measure ourselves, we measure the present against the past, and that thought form um, becomes very difficult. And now, a lot of this about creativity has to do with what are we actually doing when we create. And Swamiji's, uh, Swamiji's attitude toward everything he did, and of course he was exemplary in his attitudes, was that everything he did was for service, not for self. For service, for serving and benefiting and uplifting others. There was a young man in the community who was an extremely talented musician, and he wanted to write he, he sang Swami's music beautifully, the music that Swami had written. He sang it beautifully. And the, the, the repertoire that Swami had created was essentially the repertoire of Ananda at that time because the, the music that was given to Swamiji, and that's actually the word, was the vibration of our particular spiritual path. And it, it's easy for you to find on the internet if, you, if you're not familiar with Swami's music. He wrote 450 pieces of music, almost 200 of them are songs with words. And there's countless renditions of them all over the internet from all over Ananda people sing it. And that music was the, the soundtrack, so to speak, of, of our community life. And the vibration of that music actually helped us to be in tune with this unique ray of divine grace. Master's ray at this time is a new expression. When Swami asked him, is this a new religion? Master said, no, but it's a new expression. And so that new expression required a new melody. And those melodies, many of them, were given to Swamiji. And our singing of them was not for entertainment, although at times they were quite entertaining. But the purpose of singing them and listening to them was to harmonize ourselves on a very subtle level with the particular divine aspiration that these songs represented. So Swamiji strongly encouraged all of us who could um, to sing this music and those of us who weren't talented in that way to listen to it. Um, and he encouraged creativity in everyone. But he didn't want that creativity, the word he put it was, he didn't want it to be imitative. And to, to be actually original in what you create requires that you be deeply centered at your own point of origin. That was one of the beautiful definitions Swami gave us. To be original is not to do something that has never been done before. To be original is to create from your own point of origin. Swami uses the phrase, I love you. He said there's hardly a phrase that has been repeated more that could be considered more cliche than I love you. But if you actually say it, with deep sincerity, from your own point of origin, it always sounds new. And it has a power to it that is unique. Because it's creative in the moment. Because it's, it's the real expression of who I am when I'm saying it. And in artistic matters, in music, in painting, in writing, in many things, it's, it takes a level of attunement with a, with a higher vibration to put ourselves in contact 
with what is really ours to say, to write, to sing, to paint, whatever it might be, to dance, to cook, whatever it might be. So there was this young man who was very talented, but he also wanted to write his own music, and he really had the capability to do it. But he, he wanted to separate himself from Ananda, to move away. Ananda was taking too much of his time. He wanted to be able to write and record his own music. Swamiji felt it was not going to be successful. He felt it would not be to the, man's, to the spiritual benefit of the man to do it at that time because he felt the man did not yet have the developed willpower, talent, or originality to actually succeed. So he was trying to help him. And the man argued the case by saying to Swami, well, you're a creative artist. You know how it is. Sometimes you just have to express yourself. And Swami calmly but very firmly said, I never think of expressing myself. He said, I think only in terms of serving and being a channel for God and Guru to flow through me. Swami wouldn't have said God and Guru because that's not how he speaks, but he would have said for Master to flow through me. I think in terms of serving Master by being an instrument of his consciousness in this world and as a disciple, how can I help? How can I help bring others to divine realization? That, Swami defined as the entire purpose of Ananda. I actually asked him the question, what's the purpose? what is the purpose of Ananda? I asked him one day in front of a large crowd, thinking it was, you know, I would get some philosophical answer or some big vision of the future or the changing of the yugas or the destiny of the masters. I really thought something else. Swami said, oh, to have fun like that. And the way he said it caused everyone in the room to laugh. But after we stopped laughing, Swami said, of course, you have to understand what we consider to be fun. And he said, fun is to attune yourself to Divine Mother, to feel her love and to feel her joy, and then to share that with everyone. And that is the purpose. That's why Swami wrote books. That's why Swami wrote songs. That's why he founded communities. That's why he traveled and lectured, because he wanted to attune himself to God, Guru, and to Divine Mother, and to share the joy of that attunement with others. Everything was a means to an end. It wasn't an end in itself. And self did not play into it. So unfortunately, that man did not heed Swami's suggestion, tried to make his way as a musician, was not able to. Swami said to him, the music you write is very nice, but he used the word, it's imitative. You've you've looked, I mean, whether you're doing it consciously or subconsciously, you've imbued what was original with someone else, and now you're imitating it. There were several well-known singers at that time, and Swami named a couple of them, and this man's music sounded like their music, except not quite as good, because it wasn't original with him. So it's imitative. He said, if you stay and continue to, continue to sing my, the music that's been given to me, or my music, as he might have called it, he said, you'll get it more in tune, and then the music that comes through you will be genuinely original, and you'll have the magnetism to succeed. The man didn't listen, and it didn't work out. So that's half of it. But the other part of it is, you see, if we're doing it just to serve, then once it's launched and it's out in the world, it's doing what it's meant to do. It doesn't even belong to, to oneself anymore. And it's, it's a wonderful state of freedom to be able to live like that because one gets the joy of being the channel for what's one's created. And then once it's done, also you, you feel like, 
I didn't do it. That's what Swami would often say. Someone said to him, what of your accomplishments, what, what of all the things you've accomplished, what, what gives you the most satisfaction? Swami said, well, I haven't accomplished anything. God has accomplished through me, but I haven't accomplished anything. And when we can tune into that, it's no effort to forget what's come through you. It's not like you discipline yourself to forget. It's like once it's passed through you, your only responsibility was to be the channel for it. And it, it, it makes no sense to own it after that because it was never yours. And then that leaves you in the right state of mind to be the instrument for whatever is going to come next. You're ready, you're available, and your, your, your heart is clear. It's not clogged with self-importance or self-concern. And then true creativity and originality can flower through you. So, Swami says, whatever you seek to accomplish, approach it with enthusiasm. Once you've finished it, however, release it into the infinite. If you keep dwelling on past accomplishments, you won't be able to concentrate freely on new ones. I myself find it difficult sometimes to remember the names of the songs I have written, though I love them all. They're done now and belong in the past. I have new, fresh images to carve, paint, or otherwise convey. Blessings and joy to you. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.